Christmas time again Decorations are on by the fire Everybody's singing All the bells are ringing out And it's Christmas All over again Yeah, again Ho, ho, hello, and welcome to a special episode of Fire & Water Presents A Very Daily Christmas Volume 1. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me is my brother, Neil Daly. Merry Christmas, Neil. What's up? <laughs> Merry Christmas, Ryan. This is a very daily Christmas indeed. <laughs> we are here for what we are hoping will be an annual event to talk about some of our favorite Christmas songs and holiday tracks. Uh, the song that you heard at the beginning of this episode is Christmas All Over Again by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, I am going to talk a little bit more about that song in a few minutes. But first, uh, a little bit of context for our listeners for what the show is, how, what it's about. Uh, this episode has been in the works for a while. Um, we almost actually did this last year, but the timing didn't mm-hmm. exactly click. Uh, it has definitely been gestating in some form since we did our Tribute to Prince episode. Um, after that, we both wanted to do another music-based podcast. This particular yeah. idea for Christmas music came to me because... Uh, in our lives and our personal histories, although it may not be obvious, one of the biggest and most influential genres of music has been Christmas songs. Would you agree? Absolutely. And it's funny because you don't think that that would be a genre that most people would want to tap into as an influential. Usually it's more Christmas music has always been a little more reactive. But for some reason, I mean, I, I you know, as far as I remember, and, and we'll get into this stuff later, but yeah, I, I mean, I played the Christmas with the Chipmunks, 45, <laughs> uh, way back in my earliest Christmas days. And I remember that was just, it was a big influencer. It's one of those, you know, primordial things that like the Christmas music has just always been there. And I mean, for me, like for me at a very young age, Christmas music was interchangeable, synonymous with Christmas carols. And it was yeah. that type of song, you know, those those standards that you would sing outside, you would sing with the family, you might sing in church. There was a kind of just a, a wholesome holiday atmosphere about it. But for me, the, the Christmas carols and that type of music, it was very much part of the the aesthetic of Christmas of the holiday. It was part of like the, the tapestry. Like I couldn't separate Christmas music without thinking of the Christmas tree, snow and yeah. winter time, you know, holly, stockings hung up. It was just all of the kind of the, the details and the, the accessories that you think of with Christmas. Christmas carols and music was always part of that. And in that way, I, I think for me, you know, at a very young age, it was superficial a little bit I think it, it didn't have the same because I, you know we like growing up in, in kids we would do Christmas pageants and stuff you sure, know I remember sure. like in, in elementary school you know always doing those and always being pissed off that I didn't get the lead because can't, <laughs> can't sing that well and um but I did get to play a raccoon and do a, a Christmas waltz or something like that, and I, that's fine. I'm still not yeah, bitter about it. Or... Someday, who would have thought someday you'd have to be a good singer to have a good Christmas song? Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> I challenge that, and maybe one of these episodes yeah. we will find an exception. <laughs> um, but and I think certainly where that kind of changed was when they started releasing A Very Special Christmas, the anthology album. The first one came out in the late 1980s. 
And I, I do remember like the Run DMC song Christmas in Hollis being a big part of <laughs> the movie Die Hard, which yeah. I still do uh, not. Here I, we go. <laughs> I, no, you know what? I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to say it's not a, a Christmas movie. I'm not going to have that fight. You know, people people want to take that position. They're welcome to it. I'm not going to argue. It's the holidays. I don't want to fight. <laughs> spoiler, so. spoiler alert, listeners. Cover your ears. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but it was also, it was all over MTV. And I remember that video and it was terrific. So that was one of the first times when I remember, and that, and that album, and we would listen to various songs of the album. We're going to hear some other <laughs> later on in this episode. That I remember the first time kind of thinking, oh, Christmas songs can be fun. They can have a little mm-hmm. bit of uh, a, a spirit. They can be a little bit more modern. They can have a little wink and a nod. Um, and that, in a sense, is why I picked the Tom Petty song for the first song on this little album that we're doing, um, because it's not one of my top five favorite Christmas songs. I really enjoy it. I think it's a good song. Sure. But yeah. Christmas All Over Again is the first track on A Very Special Christmas Volume 2, which came out in 1992, I think. And that hit me at a time because that album came out a year after, or maybe just a couple of months after, Tom Petty's album, Into the Great Wide Open. And Mm -hmm. that was the first time that I kind of took note of who Tom Petty was. I'm sure I had heard Free Fallen, but like that album and like the the video with Johnny Depp and everything like that. And I remember getting that album and and playing, you know, like Learning to Fly and some of those great songs from it. So I became a Tom Petty fan and then a few months later, I hear him do this brand new Christmas song I'd never heard before. That's a rocking song. That's fun. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's like, this is something different. This is something I'm just not used to. And it's a reinterpretation of Christmas. And it's making, it's breaking away. Christmas is no longer just the carols that you do at the pageant. It's no longer just part of the scenery. It's something interactive. It's something that can age and evolve. You know, Christmas always felt like something that had been there since the beginning of time, even though it was really more like 1934. But for for (laughs) my purposes, it always felt like Christmas was just something ancient that we just carried over these traditions. And now here was something saying, no, it's 1992. It's a brand new Christmas thing that you've never heard before. And that kind of opened my eyes and, and made me think about the music and the genre in a completely different way, which is the reason why I picked that one to start off this album. So what did you think? I mean, how, how has the music changed for you over the years? Well, boy, you touched on a lot of subjects and, and you're absolutely right about all of it. You know, for a very long period of time, it did feel like Christmas was stagnant. Christmas was kind of rooted in like frozen in time, not to <laughs> pun intended, but very much, you know, there was, there was not a whole lot of evolution of the music and even when you even referenced the carols, I even go back a little farther and just, it felt like for a long time, Christmas were just biblical hymns mm-hmm. that you would hear. I mean, the, you know, all I heard for a long time on the radio when I was a child or even going to church and stuff were the joy to the world and Oh, Holy Night and Little Star of Bethlehem. Every, almost every song was just a biblical hymn. It was, it took a long time until all of a sudden, like the Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer kind of broke that chain. And then, uh, you know, I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, things like that, mm-hmm. where, you know, you mentioned the wink and a nod. Then all of a sudden people started to break up a little bit of the tr- kind of traditional old classic standards. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that we're doing multiple versions of this going forward in the future, because Christmas music for me has always been very genre specific. And no joke, no exaggeration, I have seven different Christmas playlists on my <laughs> on my phone. And 
I, I, I swear to God, and I've got, I've got a big band Christmas. I've got Christmas oldies, Christmas new, modern. I've got Christmas dance. I've got Christmas swing. I've got jazz instrumental, just all jazz instrumental. So I've got all these different versions. Now, that's a subject for another conversation, but the reason I do that is because, you know, the jazz instrumentals kind of playlist works really well for around Christmas when you're having a candlelit fireplace glass of wine kind of thing, you know, as opposed to, you know, when you're gearing up in all your warm clothing to go brave the malls on Christmas <laughs> Eve because you forgot one present. You know, then you're going to need some, you know, you need some Jackson 5 or Stevie Wonder or something, you know, there's a whole different energy there. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think and it's, it's funny that you go, I think the very special Christmas compilation. And I always say, for me, it came a little bit, you know, I'm older than you. So it came, that realization came a little bit before you. It was, for me, it hit in 1984 when Band-Aid, Bob oh, Geldof's sure. uh, charity compilation got together and did the We Are the World, uh, not sorry, <laughs> they did Feed the World, Do They Know It's Christmas? And right. he did that and got every like iconic rock figure and pop figure from both America and from England together to do this charity event for starving kids in Africa. And, you know, there's a whole lot of backstory. This is a conversation for another day about how he tricked everybody into coming to do it because it was all recorded in one night. And he got about 50 stars to come and record this in the middle of the night, promising them all that they were going to be the lead in the song. And that's the only reason they would agree to do it. And then they showed up and they had one line. So, it was, you know, there's stories floating around about how Bono sang the entire song, even though Bob Geldof knew he was just going to cut and paste one line. But that's how he got them all to do it. So there's that, it was fascinating. But anyway, long story short, that was a brand new song. And it had my, my musical icons, my pop stars that I watched on MTV. MTV was new. you got to remember, this just broke out. This was just a couple years after it started, where all of a sudden we had a visual reference. And for the first time, I wasn't listening to either Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., Nat King Cole, all those guys had Christmas albums with the exact same songs. Mm -hmm. They were just different versions of them. So all of a sudden, there was something brand new and exciting. And, you know, Duran Duran was in it, and U2 was in it, and George Michael and all this. And I was like, this is great. So then... I think George Michael then ended up with Wham! released uh, Last Christmas, which is still a great song to this day, but that was about the only new modern music, not a retread of a, of a classic song yeah. that I'd heard for a long time, until, as you referenced, then A Very Special Christmas, the whole, the whole compilation kind of came together. And I believe, like you said, it hit its stride in 1992. The first one came out in 88, and it was great, but those, that was a lot of individual songs from artists that had just recorded a song, or maybe they did one live, like Bruce Springsteen right, did a live right. version, they just kind of tapped into it. Very Special Christmas 2 was about the time that there was all of a sudden a market for this, and they realized, let's go in and record something, and people actually took time to record brand new songs or new versions and did this. And that album, of course, 1992 was a great year for music all around. Yeah, yeah. That was, that, that's, a no, that's a no-brainer. So, it's a, it's a, of course, it coincides with this great compilation. But between that and then uh, two years later, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, which was the first modern artist, at least in my generation that I remember, who released an entire album, not a song. She had an entire Christmas album. And that, to this day, that is still on the charts. That re-enters the charts every December, like <laughs> clockwork. It enters Billboard charts, and it's back on the Billboard charts in 2018. So, uh, again, I'm just kind of echoing everything that you said, but that was that was definitely an evolution of Christmas songs, and that is kind of why, to answer your original question, how this is important in fabric, 
uh, the shaping of our, the fabric of our lives kind of thing. I think it was just because it's evolved with us. You know, our mm. parents' generation didn't really have a whole lot of variants. You know, they right. had the same Christmas songs, the same Christmas shows every single year. Whereas what we had were all of a sudden brand new interpretations, visions, new artists doing it. And so that's hence the reason I have seven different <laughs> Christmas playlists, <laughs> including including my all-cardio Christmas dance and techno mix, <laughs> because I can work out to Christmas music. <laughs> Oh, oh, the very daily Christmas <laughs> volume seven when we get to the El Cardio version, those versions of the song. So, yep, and um, we'll tap into the difference between techno and trance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, then what is this episode going to be about? And uh, from here on, Neil and I, we're each going to give you a list of some of the songs that we picked out. Now, we each picked five for this episode. These are not our top five Christmas songs of all time. I don't know if I could make that list in any coherent manner. And I, I don't I don't think I could. Right. For I you, could, it, it would probably change by the hour, depending on what mood you're in, or depending on it if would you're... Change, <laughs> it, would be, it would be different by the time we were done with the podcast. I yeah, would want yeah. to go back and correct my answers. <laughs> right. Um, so instead, we're kind of giving like a big picture, kind of like a, a wide variation of songs that have some kind of personal meaning for us, and... As this little mini podcast series evolves, you know, next year when we do volume two, hopefully we'll pick different songs and they'll have different meanings and we'll tell different stories about what those, you know, why we picked these songs, what historical, you know, personal relevance it has to us or what emotional uh, relevance it has. Um, That's going to be kind of the idea for how we approach this. So uh, getting into the actual track list for A Very Daily Christmas, volume one. (laughs) Track one, I have already mentioned, it's Christmas All Over Again by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and I've kind of said why, because that song came to me at a time when I was just becoming a fan of that particular artist, and it changed the way I looked at Christmas music, or the way I listened to Christmas music and thought about it, and kind of opened up this entire subgenre of of music and particular rock music and things like that, and, and the way it could be approached. So that is my track number one. Neil, you sort of already mentioned it, but what do you have for track number two? Okay, so the first one off my list would be Mariah Carey's 1994 classic, All I Want for Christmas Is You. Make my wish come true.
said, there's reasons for this list. There's no way to make this. This is no way indicative of my all-time favorite Christmas song. That's not the point of this list. This is to talk about, you know, how they're influential, et cetera, what, what, kind of what you already referenced. And like the Tom Petty version that you just talked about, this one kind of encapsulated a lot of uh, – this, this for me meant a whole opening of doors that I hadn't really experienced yet. Again, number one, first of all, Mariah Carey was at the top of her game at this time. So let's, let's reference that she was the biggest star in the world, and she chose to do a Christmas album, which was kind of, okay, that's interesting. You know, at a, at a time when stars were, you know, grunge was kind of taken over, and everybody wanted to kind of play the, I hate the audience, and we're, we're negative, and we're gloomy, and, <laughs> and rock is dead, and all this stuff. So you've got this, the ultimate pop star at that time come out with an all-Christmas album, which, by the way, for, for your listeners, there are multiple tracks on this album that are fantastic. So this is by this this one track that I chose as the lead single from it, which is the biggest hit off the album. But this is no by no means a standout, a head and shoulders above the rest. There's a lot of really good ones. But I'm gonna I'm I'm pointing this out because it kind of captured a little bit of the sound of the '60s. It had a little bit of the Supremes, a little bit of the Ronettes, mm-hmm. a little bit of uh, it's timeless. And at the time, it kind of brought back, it harkens back to that period of like the 60s Motown era. And it seems to be recording that way. Yet, you know, that still makes my list today. And it, it's every bit as timeless now as it was then. Like it doesn't seem dated in any way, shape or form. The recording is great. The quality is great. Her voice is great. And I know a couple of years ago, they tried to reboot the song and added a line, added a, a verse with Justin Bieber in it. And nobody listened to it, so let's not even talk about that. Let's just <laughs> pretend that didn't exist. I would just agree, miss what I didn't say. Yeah, you done, done. But this uh, definitely, in terms of the way I feel about the song now, because there may be some songs that we'll talk about that maybe now they've kind of caught on, or maybe at the time, you know, this one absolutely means as much to me now as it did then. When I hear this come on, it puts me in a better mood and makes me want to go shop, go bake cookies, go wrap presents and turn on a Christmas special on TV like, like our childhood. It just kind of captures all the energy and joy about the season. So that's, that's why it's tops on my list for today. <laughs> and I, I co-sign everything you say. It is a really good song. I, I'm glad that you mentioned it does sort of evoke an old-fashioned type of like, you know, like one of those standards of like the Ronettes or something like that. It definitely feels like that, but there is something new, just the, the freshness of her voice. Um, I, I can't hear this song without thinking of the music video that went along with it, um, <laughs> which is Mariah Carey in like a red Santa jacket and like snowsuit playing in the snow with dogs and, and a Santa Claus gentleman, which I think was the first time, again, showing my age and my youth when the video came on and it was really prominent, was I always knew who Mariah Carey was and I knew that she was very cute, but that was the first time I saw her and I was like, damn, she's really good looking. Yeah. Um, oh yeah! Oh yeah! That was and, like the trans. Even, that was the transitional when Mariah Carey became cute to sexy. <laughs> yeah, she had that effect on a lot of people. Yeah. But you even referenced the video, and I, I forgot to mention this too. Even the video kind of captured that '60s mm-hmm. sound because it was like shot on Super Eight. I yeah, think. yeah, it was, yeah. It was like it was it was. It very looks like, like a like whole a movie style yeah. video. Yes, and so that kind of that yeah that all of that kind of coincided. It was almost like the perfect storm all hit at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, then moving on to track number three, which is my pick, uh, and I'm I'm going with my controversial pick in that this one was the song that I wasn't sure I was going to put on this list because it's a song that you can't really play this one in public, not, <laughs> at least not here in the United States, it seems like, um, and I'll explain that in a second. Uh, but number three is Fairy Tale of New York 
by The Pogues featuring Kirsty McCall. So happy Christmas I love you baby I can see a better time When all our dreams come true You promised me Broadway was waiting for me You were handsome You were pretty queen of New York City When, when the band finished playing They held up for more Sinatra was swinging All the drunk they were singing We kissed on the corner Then danced through the night The boys of the NYPD choir Were singing Go away play And the bells were ringing out For Christmas Day So, um, I absolutely adore this song. I love it. it. It there's an epic quality to this song because it the melody changes partway through. It reminds me of something like New York City Serenade or or scenes from an Italian restaurant. Yeah. It has one of those type of songs where they're just it just builds and it changes tone and it changes melody and like there's almost like a narrative voice that changes because of the duet and it has like this feel that's sort of all encompassing. And what I do really appreciate it is that it's kind of the opposite of everything you just said about All I Want for Christmas is You. <laughs> because of the voice, it's it's this downtrodden, blue-collar like voice about like uh, this the song where you're hoping that you're going to bring... Like, it, like the, the lyrics that it's Christmas Eve in the drunk tank. And he's like, you know, <laughs> right, I, I'm right. hoping my luck will come in 18 to 1 and all these things. And it's just sort of a reminder that for some people... Christmas sucks, you know, <laughs> and that that is a part of the season that a lot of people have to reconcile with it. Some people don't have a family that they can share the season with, or they don't have the means to see them every year. Some people don't get gifts; they don't have the means to give gifts. For some people, Christmas is crappy, and it's it's just a hard time, and it's it's a reminder of all the things that you don't have. And I think in a, its own little beautiful way, this song is standing up for the little guy in this kind of like yeah, in yeah. angry way that I really I really do appreciate. Now, the problem with this song is the language that is used in it. In, in particular, <laughs> it does use a, a vulgar term that I'm not even going to repeat for the purposes of this, and I won't include that in the sound clip that I dropped for it, but it's... It's a song that, like, you you're listening to the song, and all of a sudden you like you bristle, and it's like, oh god, I don't I don't want to hear that word right now. Certainly not in a Christmas song. Um, yeah. And I, and again, it's one of those things where you just you kind of have to accept it and go along with it. It's it, it reminds me, and this will be a shout out for um, my buddy Rob Kelly because he does the Bob Dylan podcast. But it reminds me of the song Hurricane by Bob Dylan, which is this jaunty sure. kind of driving yeah. rhythm and melody, and you kind of singing along with it until that one point in the middle of the song where Bob sings the N word, and he really yep. leans into it in that verse. And like, if you're singing along in your car, you're like, oh, oh god, you got to look around and make sure, like, what, check your surroundings. Yeah, you almost, you almost have to pretend I don't like this song. <laughs> right, right. And that was that was my feeling with Fairy Tale of New York. I was like, can I get away with? picking this song or or is that a problem but um and i say you can't uh say you can't play it here in the states because 
one of the reasons why I picked this was because two years ago, um, in 2016, I went to Dublin, Ireland, right before Christmas with my wife Angela. At this point, we we had been trying to have have a kid, so we wanted to plan a vacation because we knew once the kid is born, we're not going to go anywhere for a long time. So, <laughs> right. But we just we just found out that she was pregnant like about a month earlier. So yeah, go to Ireland when you're pregnant. You can't drink. Um, but we went there, and I swear this song was playing in every bar, every restaurant, every mall, just on the streets when you just walked around the town. You couldn't escape the song. So they, they of course, loved the Pogues, um, and we went to the Dublin Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they had like a whole segment devoted to them. Um, but it's... Despite despite the the language, I still I just I love the song. I love the feistiness of it. It feels like you're you're fighting in Christmas, and what it can remind you of that sometimes the holiday isn't all great. And yeah, yeah, yeah like j- just as I said before, it feels like it's a song for the other people who don't love Christmas. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. And I do I do think as you touched on at the beginning, it lended itself to a lot of musicality. Like yeah. there were complex, it was a complex arrangement. It almost felt like a medley of other songs kind of thing thrown together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was very, you know, you talked about the Springsteen songs, you know, like New York City Serenade or some, you know, it even for me, and this is going to be a, a weird reference to your listeners, but a little bit of uh, Jesus of Suburbia from American Idiot. You know what? I almost had that. I, I almost mentioned that too. No kidding. Wow, yeah. 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 I, it has a lot of that. Like, it feels like if you're given the highlights of a play mm-hmm. or something. It's like, oh, with a little bit of expansion, this could be a rock opera. Sure could. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And this would be like, you know, all the high points of it. <laughs> yeah. this, would be the, this, would be the, this would be the Broadway trailer. <laughs> yeah. Well, as Ben Katz said, the highs are high, but the lows, they're really low. <laughs> really low. <laughs> <laughs> David, David A. Gutierrez, if he's listening to this episode, he will get that reference. So. <laughs> Yep, the beans. <laughs> boots, 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 moccasins. Boots, boots. All right. Um, all right. What do you have for track four? Okay. Well, piggybacking on the theme that you just created with yours, and this is going to be honestly a recurring theme in uh, a lot of my favorite Christmas songs. My next song is John Bon Jovi's 1992 release, Please Come Home for Christmas. Bells will be ringing. version now again like i said most of my list today is going to be kind of you know just eclectic up-tempo fun you know all these things that were influential in the spirit of christmas but ironically there's a lot of my 
personal favorites that are kind of the downtrodden, a little bit melancholy, mm-hmm. kind of sad. I mean, I mean, I know one of the songs that you'll probably have coming up on your list would have made mine if I didn't think you were going to pick it. But there's a lot of missing you at Christmas. I'm alone at Christmas. I'm kind of sad. I wish the loved one, I, you know, there's a lot of these themes that lend themselves to beautiful, beautiful songs. So that being said, this version, uh, please come home for Christmas, not to be confused with Christmas baby, please come home. Uh, this is a, this version was originally recorded in 1960 by Charles Brown. And then it's been redone a, a couple of times through like the R and B and Motown years. A couple of people have done lent their hand to this. But this version is my all-time favorite because it captures a lot of things. First of all, the, song, the recording itself captures uh, John Bon Jovi and Great Voice. At this time in 1992, it was, it was rock was big, and it was a bluesy guitar-driven song, and I was just kind of coming into my own as a guitar player and writer. So it had a lot of this stuff. This was on the 1992 special, Very Special Christmas Volume 2 that you mentioned. Again, fantastic compilation all around. But uh, this, this had a, a couple of neat things going for it. None of the musicians are credited on the album, by the way. But rumor has it, and this has been circulating for a long time, that Jeff Beck, uh, famous guitar virtuoso Jeff Beck, had played the solo and did it as an uncredited free favor to John Bon Jovi because he also recorded the entire Young Guns 2 soundtrack with John Bon Jovi. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, so there was a lot of uh, just a camaraderie thing. John Bon Jovi did that album as a solo band or as a solo artist, but brought Jeff back in to help create all the music. And so this was kind of a return favor, like, hey, let me, I'll do the solo for you, blah blah blah. So, so that was kind of a neat little sort of internet trove. If, if you know, there's any truth to that, it's it's a weird thing that nobody was credited with playing the music on the album. Uh, and then finally, you know, the last thing about this song that absolutely makes it a classic is the video. Yeah, the video video with John Bon Jovi alone decorating the tree and Cindy Crawford. So you pretty much, you know, again, you and I, Ryan, a very daily Christmas. We come from Cindy Crawford's hometown. We were kind of, you know, and I went to school, actually went to school with her youngest sister, Danielle. And so the Crawfords were kind of a staple of our Mm -hmm. lives kind of growing up. And then once I moved to L.A., then, you know, that I, I just missed uh, one of her national Pepsi ad commercials and almost landed that job and these things. And then years later, I would actually run into her at the airport in LAX and have a conversation with her about Decal, which was kind of cool. But at this point, at this point in 1992, Cindy Crawford was the top of the world. Victoria's Secret had just kind of moved things forward with supermodels now, you know, getting all these, you know, advertisements and roles and George Michael would start throwing them in videos and, all, and whatnot. So this was uh, the combination of the song itself, the theme that I love, Bon Jovi's version of it, and then Cindy Crawford in the video makes this just a fantastic song. Yeah, it is. And yeah, it's another one of those where I can't separate the song from the video. Uh, for the same reason, yeah. too. Like, I, I remember seeing that. I was like, wow, Cindy Crawford looks really good. And then, like, <laughs> almost, almost as an afterthought, thinking, you know, Bon Jovi looks really good, too. I was like, this yeah. is a hot couple. <laughs> and, like, seeing the two of them make out in, like, the, I was like, yeah, this is, this is good. <laughs> yeah, you want, you want them to be together. Yeah, like, like one these, of those, this was, these are really this pretty was, people. This be- <laughs> yeah, this, yep, this works. This is before the Brangelinos and uh, whatnot when people <laughs> right. started merging yeah. names. This is like, you're watching this going, like, I'd buy that movie. <laughs> <laughs> And they're dressed the same. They're both wearing black shirts. And, and yep. Oh, um, yeah. It was hot. It was, it, was, it was hot. The video was hot. Yeah. 
again, I, I don't have much to add it because you kind of said everything. But yeah, I, I think about the video and uh, and yeah, the Cindy Crawford connection from our hometown. I went to school with one of her cousins. Um, we actually played little league baseball together, and he choked the last uh, last bat at our uh, one of our. I don't want to. Uh, I'm not going to get into that either. So. <laughs> well, then I won't reference the day at Eagle Grocery Store when I bagged Richard Gere's groceries because he was in town visiting the family. That's I won't right, even talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right uh then moving on to track five of our list and this one is that spirit of christmas by ray charles christmas is the time of year for being with the ones we love sharing so much joy and cheer what a wonderful feeling Watching the ones we love Having so much fun I was sitting by the fireside Taking a walk Now, this song, like, if I were to make a top five, this song might actually be on the top five. This would definitely be a contender for that, like, all-time Christmas songs. And there's no really special personal attachment to it other than I just, I love the song. I love Ray's voice. The lyrics are deceptively simple, but... Mm -hmm. It evokes exactly what I want to feel. When I hear this song now, the song was used in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Spoilers, we will talk about that movie a little bit later this episode, too. Um, but it's used in the scene when Clark Griswold is trapped in his attic, and he's just, like, dressed, he's wrapped up in a blanket with, like, a mock turban or something as, like, a hat or whatever, watching old videos. And, and that's what it reminds me of. Like, hearing this song reminds me of childhood Christmases, like Christmases when it's just like pristine white, but it's not bitter cold. There's there's still a warmth of it. Dry getting in the car with the family, driving to Chicago to see our relative in laws and and cousins and aunts and uncles, um, or sitting on the couch with you know coffee or hot cocoa or something like that while there's a fire and just looking at snow falling out the window. All of the good visual things that you associate with Christmas. Um, all of those sort of intangibles that just feel like, that make you feel warm, fuzzy thoughts at Christmas, this song conveys those, and this song just reminds me of those. There's not really any deeper emotional attachment to it. It's just, it's the same kind of feeling that, like, good nostalgia brings you. That's what this song does. Yeah. It's just a happy song for me, and that's that's kind of the only reason why I pick it, but it's the reason why... I play it all the time at Christmas yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's a perfect song choice for this. And the funny thing is, so far, a couple of the songs we've talked about, their videos and whatnot, the irony about this, and again, like I said, spoiler, you said, spoiler alert, we'll get into it, but there was no soundtrack released for this, mm-hmm. for this for this movie. So this was one of those things, when I, re- I remember when this came out, it was hard to find. I couldn't, you know, this was before the internet days and stuff, and we had to go track down a Ray Charles Christmas album, which was harder to do because there was no soundtrack released for it. But going back to the movie reference, like you talked about, I can't imagine a better 
marriage of the musical montage that takes place in the film with old videos of some of the actual cast members, if, if memory serves, some of the like uncle, like uh, uh, Clark Griswold's family in the in the old videos. I think some of those home videos were of them. Yeah. that they that they had used for the for the film but him watching it and the feeling of it you're absolutely right your description is perfect it's spot on it kind of brings back a visual reference of everything it brings back i you know it listening to the song reminds me of where i was at certain points around the christmas or it reminds me of a smell of cookies in the air or of like shoveling snow in the driveway, but knowing that there was a bowl of chili inside for dinner when you came in freezing and like little things like that. This movie kind of brings back, I think you described it perfectly because it harkens of nostalgia and that's what the song brings to the table. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So then what do you have for track six? All right. So my next one is uh, a rather new addition to my list as of the last, I would say maybe the last 10 years or so. Uh, it's Louis B. Armstrong's Cool Yule from 1953. I'm going to Island to the Sunset Strip. Somebody's going to make a happy trip tonight. While the moon is bright. He's going to have a bag of crazy toys. To give the corners of the girls and boys. So day. Santa comes on day. I'm a calling when the snow's the most When all your cats are sleeping warm as toes And you gonna flip with old Saint Nick Raise a lick on a peppermint stick You come a flying from a higher place You fill the stocking by the fireplace So you, ever you that's so this song, this song, I, I actually only discovered it probably, most people our age probably only discovered it because it was on the Serendipity film soundtrack, the John Cusack and uh, Kate Beckinsale movie, which is a Christmas movie and a fantastic underrated Christmas movie because a lot of people forget that it's a Christmas movie. They just think of it as a romantic comedy. But that was uh, the first time that I ever heard this song, and it was a remastered version of his 1953 version. But uh, that was on the soundtrack. I think it's in the opening of the film. And it brought back, for me, the reason that this makes this list is because it had a lot of the great big band energy from the 40s and 50s when, the, when it came out. It had that kind of swaggy sort of way that Louis Armstrong sang his songs, which people know. But it also, the placement of it in the film with the energy of Christmas shoppers and the busyness and all this other thing, I mean, for no other reason then it makes me want to do something for Christmas. It kind of gives me like an energy and it gives me like, uh, it makes me want to brave the, the elements and the, the crowds and all this other stuff. Um, there's not a whole lot of depth to the song, kind of like what you referenced mm -hmm. earlier, it, other than it, it feels good to play it. And this kind of, because my list is very eclectic today and I've got so many different genre specific playlists, this would probably top the list in the genre of maybe the big band swing era kind of thing, which I just, it has a lot of, for, for a World War II, post-World War II kind of sound, put this version on today, it's, it's, it mixes right in with any pop or rock Christmas music on the radio today. So yeah. it just, it feels good to me. It reminds me of the happiness and joy and energy of shopping and whatnot. And it's just a rock and track. <laughs> That's it. No, yeah, I agree. Like, and and you said it a couple of times, but when I hear this song, I think of shopping. 
I think of busy yeah. malls. I think of busy traffic, but but not in that kind of this is so inconvenient type of way. I I feel like the excitement, the counting down of the days. You've only got so many days left until Christmas. Like you're on a deadline, um, and the yep. crunching. Yep. Yeah, the energy that you you mentioned a couple times that that that's what the song is for. So yeah, and and you're yeah, right. Like, it, it adds urgency. It, right. There's right. a sense of urgency, but not in a bad way. Like if it was if we if we were talking about the Ramones Christmas track. Or Buck Cherries, that's, right. that's right. a little bit. That's a little different. That's right. a little negative. But this right. is this was yeah. This this has that positive energy. Right. And like you said, there is a timelessness to this song because I feel like like if you're gonna drop this into a movie, this could be in a period specific, you know, movie from the 50s or 60s, or it could be in sure. a serendipity or a movie that was you know coming out this year or something like that, and it would still feel appropriate because it just has that quality. Yeah. So yeah, very much so. All right, then, moving on. Number seven, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by The Pretenders. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be yourself a merry little Christmas make the yuletide gay from now on our troubles will be miles Now, this one for me evokes. By the way, knew knew you were going there. This yeah. is, the only reason this isn't on my list is because this, I think, cumulatively between the two of us, might top a list if we did one together. Yeah, I I, I think so. Like this was this is always going to be on my list. Um, yeah. I you know I'll, I'll I'll have to come up with excuses why it's not on my list every year, <laughs> depending on like what our what our themes are, or how we arrange these. But um, but this one for me at least evokes a lot of opposite feelings and emotions that my last song, the Ray Charles did because nothing to do with the song particularly, but this version, a very slowed down, very quiet version um, with Chrissy Hines voice and Chrissy Hine has one of my favorite voices in, you know, rock and roll mm-hmm. and all music. Just it, like on a list of like, you know, female rock voices, she is yep. very close to the top for me. I just and and I was never a big fan of the Pretenders, but I could listen to their stuff <laughs> right. just because of her. Yeah. Um sure. and and what she does with this song which I've always really liked this song, but this particular version without getting into too many of the details, it just for me it reminds me of I think I was in junior high. It might have been eighth grade. Uh, I was crushing hard on a girl, and movies and TV taught me to be bold and put your heart out there and and tell her how you feel. And at the end of the year, you know, before Christmas break, that's when you got to make your move. You gotta you gotta do something dramatic. Um, so I did, uh, and the movies lied to me <laughs> because she did not respond uh, favorably, uh, and it killed me. Um, so I just found myself that, that Christmas, like with the following week of 
just wanting to get out of my skin, not wanting to be surrounded by happiness, and just kind of bummed out and depressed and lonely, um, kind of getting into that, you know, teenage angst period of, you know, your life, junior high and high school. So I just, I remember walking outside a lot at night in the cold and the snow, just walking, one, just going around the block a couple of times and doing like, not kind of like aimlessly, um, but all bundled up, but also with like a disc man playing that <laughs> very special Christmas album um, with this song probably on repeat and maybe like walking by her house, not in a creepy stalker way, but hoping I could see her through the window. Of course, that was also a disappointment because she never came to the window. Why would she? Um, so, yeah, they, they, this has always been a favorite song, and it, it, it reminds me of those kind of heartbreak and melancholy uh, feelings and emotions um, and getting rejected, but still kind of feeling like, well, could be worse type of thing. So what do you think? Why, why is this song uh, important to you? Or why wow. would it have been on your list? You know what? This is this is fascinating. And the reason I enjoy doing these podcasts with you is because we touch on conversations and, and influences and stuff that we never had a chance to talk about before. So this is going to blow your mind. But my feelings about this song are exactly the same <laughs> as yours. And I relate it to, it was the last day of school before Christmas break, my senior year. I think it was December 20th, maybe the 21st. And I was on my way to see a girl that I was trying to woo and she wasn't, you know, it was kind of, it just didn't work out for me. And, uh, I got pulled over and arrested for the week before having, uh, a hit and run car accident on our block. And I'm not going to get into all the details for your listeners. It's not important. Nobody was hurt and there was no drinking involved. So this is a G rated podcast, but yeah, I slid on ice and cracked the front of the car against another parked car and waited around for somebody. You know, the whole story. I, I, I did not come out. Yeah. Nobody came out. And so eventually I looked around thinking after waiting for about 10 minutes and then realizing, well, all right, no damage done to the other car. It was a big truck. So just threw everything together. Anyway, so I, there was a witness for you. I did my time just for, so everybody knows, so we can move on. But I got arrested on December 21st, just a couple of days before Christmas. And outside of the girl's house that I was trying to see, and this whole thing happened, and then I had to go home and tell mom and dad. And I'm sure they'll listen to this right now, too. So this is going to bring back fun memories for them. <laughs> but but it was it was very much, I spent the next three days kind of in the same stupor that you just described, kind of playing this song on repeat, going outside, dressing up and walking around by myself at night in the snow by myself. And, and of course, I didn't have a disc man at the time, though, so I was playing the cassette tape, sorry. But, uh, you know, wondering, like, oh, you know, what did I do? Where, where's that girl? You know, why did this happen kind of thing? And so you play the song, and it was so, it was so like a bittersweet, beautiful song. The song moved you in ways that made you feel it's okay to be sad right now. Like, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to put on this fake happy face and, like, walk around and, and smile. And, and that, that period of, you know, that was a tough, that was a tough period of time for me. That, that Christmas was one of the worst that I can remember just because of all the circumstances I was going through personally. And just at that age, you know, mm -hmm. just going through growing pains of, of being 16 or whatever. So it was interesting because then I think I spent a lot of time in my bedroom, you know, that Christmas week mm -hmm. playing this kind of song, you know. You know, that feeling that all your listeners out there know, like there are times where you need to be sad. You need to hear sad music. You don't want to, everybody's saying, cheer up, go out and do something fun, play something happy, blah, blah, blah. No, you want to. It's like, I just want to wrap myself in this blanket of sadness for a little while and I'll get over it. But 
that I had almost the exact same experience with the song that you did, even though we never, ever talked about it before. Yeah, well, <laughs> I knew bits and pieces of that, but like not the whole thing. Um, I do remember when uh, you were arrested and had to explain to mom why and the circumstances of it. That was the first time I ever heard mom drop the F-bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why dad didn't come in the house. I remember, I remember him driving me home from the police station, and he said, you go inside and tell your mother. <laughs> <sighs> Good times. Yeah, good times. You were telling the story. I was like, this could almost fit in the fairy tale of New York, the Pogues song that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> well, well, it's actually funny though because, like I said, like I said earlier, and I'm not gonna, you know, I don't want to get too deep into this, but my favorite themes about Christmas are usually the sad ones. Those mm-hmm. are the songs that I usually gravitate to, even at even in periods of my life where I'm not down and I'm not sad and I'm not melancholy. There's something about the beauty of these slow ballads that I find just beautiful. And maybe they're heartbreaking. Maybe they're just, you know, kind of nostalgic at the end of the night kind of thing. Like a lot of the, a lot of the lyrics in have yourself a merry little Christmas aren't necessarily sad, no. but you kind of feel like it's like the Christmas is over or maybe it's new year's Eve, you know, a week later or something, but there's just a lot of, I, I gravitate a lot to these themes that are kind of melancholy, kind of sad, kind of lonely, you know, uh, having a blue Christmas kind of thing, even though I'm not necessarily feeling that way. Right. I'm going to repeat some of those same sentiments when I get to my last pick. But before we get to that, uh, track number eight, what do you have? Okay, so this is kind of a, this is going to be a little bit out there for people. So I don't know what clip you're going to play for this. But this is Brian Setzer Orchestra's 2002 release, the instrumental, coming in at just over seven minutes long, the Nutcracker Suite. version of the song and again you'll you'll find a lot of a lot of this works on a couple of my playlists <laughs> as we've referenced because i've got many but this one um this means a lot to me and and not a whole lot of life changing kind of depth or anything it was just the what the, first of all i love the rockabilly sound of this i mean the musicianship on a seven to eight minute song is fantastic and i absolutely love this performance of it and i've seen it live as well and the band is so on point it's so incredible in this giant 25-piece orchestra with horns and stand-up bass and, and all this. It's, it's just fantastic to watch. If you get a chance to watch it on YouTube, check it out, the live version of it. Mm-hmm. But the reason I chose this song specifically 
is because kind of like you touched on a little bit before we've referenced this, there's a lot of, there's, this is an amalgamation of a lot of other songs from the Nutcracker performance from Tchaikovsky's The Nutcracker, which has about 25 to 30 different songs in the ballet. And this kind of throws them all together in a way that works and makes you think it was all meant to be one piece, even though they might do a snippet, you know, a 30 second snippet of, uh, uh, dance of the reed pipes and then a uh, one minute piece from waltz of the flowers and then the dance of the sugar plum fairies and the russian tea dance and all these like they've got all these in- this brilliant musicianship coming together but it also meant a little bit more to me because not only was it a great great rock song just an incredible rock performance um but i always liked the play for some reason i liked the ballet and i remember when i was growing up and this may even be before your time you, they, we didn't have VCRs. We didn't have ways to record things. So God forbid, if you ever miss Rudolph uh, on CBS, Rudolph on a Friday night on CBS, you know, you were you kind of missed it. That was mm-hmm. it. So you didn't have a chance to rewatch things. So everything was must-see TV. But I do remember the Nutcracker Ballet was kind of always played re- repeatedly leading up to Christmas on, I think it might have been like a PBS channel of Chicago. Maybe it was Channel 11 before Fox was big. But it made just a local kind of, the, maybe WGN for all I know, mm-hmm. but there was something really cool about the ballet, and and I remember trying being a kid, kind of being like, I don't really get it. Like I'm not, there's nobody singing, and everybody's dancing, and I'm trying to follow a story. So I like my brain hadn't really wrapped itself around what was going on, but the beauty of the stage performance left an impact. There was this giant, giant thirty foot Christmas tree, and all the toys come to life in the middle of the night and then the dancers and all these, like all the things that went involved in it was mesmerizing to watch as a kid. Even if you don't really get why everybody's dancing and fighting, it was like, this is before you got served, you know? So I'm like, why, why is the, why is the nutcracker fighting with the mouse? You know, I don't get it. <laughs> but there was a lot of this kind of magic about what happens in the middle of the night on Christmas. And for a future podcast, I guarantee you, you and I will have plenty to talk about when we talk about the Christmas toy. Remember the toy? Yes. Uh, the, the, the Jim Henson thing? Yep. So that, that's something that I would love to get into at another time. It was Toy we, Story before Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. And again, it, it was almost like the Nutcracker without the ballet. Yeah. But um, yeah, but so there, there's, you know, like I said, so there's there's not a whole lot of more to say about this particular version of why it makes my list. But as a musician... It's note for note perfect seven to eight minutes of nonstop changes, rearrangements, pacing differences, tempo changes. It's just fantastic music. And it's, it reminds me of watching the Nutcracker on at home. Yeah. For me, it reminds me of something else that I've had to watch. It's an experience I've never had live, although I think you probably have. Um, but this song reminds me of Christmas Eve, Times Square, Rockefeller Center, New York. Just yeah, sort of that, that atmosphere, that world, that, that place, or or shopping, again, sort of Christmas, but like in New York, in the city, um, just, yeah, it just, it has that feeling, that kind of old, old, timeless New York Christmas type of feeling. Yes, yes, it does. It really does. And, and I don't mean to cut you off or anything, but I will say, from having spent Christmases in both Chicago and New York, as much as I absolutely love my hometown, and I'm so proud of Chicago, and as beautiful as it is, and I know our parents are going to hate to hear this, I got to be honest with you, there's nothing like Christmas in New York. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's nothing like it. It's just a different. When you're down Times Square, you go see a Broadway play, and the, the, the horse rides by with the carriage, uh, you know, and it's snowing. And it, it's, there's just something 
something about Christmas season in New York, like you said, is is all time. All right, moving on to my final track for this uh, this particular volume, "Oh Holy Night" by Griffin House. Oh holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth A thrill of hope The weary world rejoices for young The hardest part for me for this entire thing was picking which version of Oh Holy Night I was going to go with, uh, because <laughs> right. I am of the opinion that there is not a bad version of Oh Holy Night, and I am including the South Park version sung by Eric Cartman. <laughs> um, it's not one that I'm going to play That's a lot, impression. but I don't think it's bad. Um, yeah, right. And bizarrely, perhaps, this might be my favorite song of all time. Like, if not my favorite, top three or top five. Uh, And I say bizarrely because I am not a religious or very spiritual person. So the lyrics, I mean, you you mentioned this song at the beginning. This is, it's a a spiritual song. It's a biblical sort of hymnal song. It's based on a a poem. It's all about Jesus and spreading the word and all of these things. The lyrics of this song kind of fall flat for me because that's just not that's not the type of person that I am it doesn't feel that way mm-hmm. but the melody the harmony the musicality of this particular song the only way I can compare it, the only way I can sort of justify this being such a favorite is I have to compare it to an opera where mm. you might be hearing the most beautiful piece of music you've ever heard, and the lyrics are in Italian or some language that you just you don't know that language. You don't know exactly what they're saying, but that doesn't right. matter. The words yep. don't matter. It's the way the words are used and strung together as another piece of music, as another instrument. For me, that is done in Oh Holy Night, certainly the best versions of Oh Holy Night. Um, sure. And like yeah. I said, I, I could pick a ton of different versions of this. Um, I went with the, this particular version by Griffin House just because I like this version. It's another one that's really quiet. It's just him and the this slow guitar. It it does evoke mm-hmm. some of those sadness and the, those feelings that we both kind of get into sometimes yeah. around the holidays. So it, yeah. it kind of had that feeling. Um, I also... Uh, the, 
Griffin House. He's not a big artist. I've only heard like some of his songs. He had the first time I heard him, he had a song on the soundtrack, um, the first season of Rescue Me, the Dennis Leary Fire Fire TV show. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was really good. But so when I heard that he did this version, I really, really liked it. And it's again just getting into the musicality of that. It, like you know, the first verse, the the verses themselves, they're they're just kind of okay. But once it gets to that chorus, once it gets to that fall on your knees, it just it hits me in my gut and just lifts. And it's like fall on your knees. Oh, hear the, the angels' voices, and then the oh night oh, part, which. It pisses me off because it's like the one part of the song I can't sing. I just can't hit that note, <laughs> no, no matter which version I'm listening to. Um, oh, and I would God, love yeah. to because yeah. that just it it could almost bring me to tears just listening to it. Whatever, like whether it's an Aaron Neville version of the song, or you know, a, a Tracy Chapman or yeah. Carrie uh-huh. Brothers, or just like the the um, in the movie Home Alone, uh, John Williams yep. composes a version of this with a with a, a children's choir singing it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing. And to me, this song, it feels like the finale to the entire year. So every event, every happiness, every sadness, all the good, all the bad, all of the momentous things that you take with you from January 1st to December 24th, this song, it just kind of, it's all about that. This is the song that you hear and you reflect on what has gone on in the past and what you want to change, what you need to change. Um, so it just, it, it brings all of these things to me. So again, it's, it's a biblical song, but for me, it's, it's not about the lyrics about, it's just about the music, the emotion and the sense of finality and, and, and change and, and reflection. Uh, so that's sure. That's, yeah. that's, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's a really well done description. I'll actually, believe it or not though, this, I'm going to, argue a different point on this one with you though and this is i did grow up kind of a little bit more religious based i was i was far more involved in the church growing up than you were um when when growing up and whatnot so this you know the, the old christmas standards and everything like that they still kind of mean a little bit something different not not one's better or worse you know i, I it's just i i definitely have a different kind of connotation when i think of some of these songs and i can remember what you described about the the how it kind of like com- composites the entire year into this one night sort of thing. It's like everything good, everything bad. This, it was interesting going to St. Mary's church for midnight masses. I remember uh, there was always that the, you would always hear the same kind of thought, the same kind of Christmas hymns, the same things where they were always in the prayer book and everything. the same ones were done all the time. And, and most Christmas carols were rooted in some biblical verses at the beginning. You know, they, they kind of always were, you know, like little star of Bethlehem and whatnot. Oh, Holy Night, it falls into that category. But I remember this was always kind of, you kind of hit the, hit the nail on the head, because this song was always right at the end of the Mass. It was one, it was the second to last song I remember ever hearing, and it was always done so beautifully. And again, you've got, then, then I remember the majesty of being in a giant cathedral. And all you can think about as a kid is, I just want to get out of here and go home and go to sleep. That's all I care about, because <laughs> I want to, you know, that's it. None of this means anything to me now. This was something I had to do, because my mom made me, and all I want to do is go home and go to sleep. But at the same time, it was a cool way that parents could trick their kids into staying up and getting them tired because they get all fidgety and irritated. And blah, blah. So it was there was a method to mom's madness. I'll give you that. <laughs> but but you know, it was this song was the second to last song you heard prior to the exit, and then finally, "Joy to the World" comes on, and that was always the closer because it was an up tempo, get people out of here kind of thing, and that's that's kind of the way it always went. But you're absolutely right about 
the lyrics to this song do mean something to me. And it's very, very, even, even though I wouldn't consider myself religious now, I still consider myself a very spiritual person. And I think there's something about the, the power of the words and the lyrics and everything that kind of like boils everything down into, for me, the way I've always interpreted this song is it doesn't, yes, the song was written about one specific night that Jesus was born, but I've kind of extrapolated that and made it a little bit more about choose this night, whatever night you're in, whatever moment you're living in, make that be the night of your life and make change for whatever you kind of touched on it, you know, do something better, go forward, go positive, like the end of the year. It's kind of like that song, that song feels like you're absolutely right. I feel like that means something. So it doesn't matter if it's Christmas night, the night Jesus was born, even if you don't believe in that. I feel like this song, the power of the song and the refrain and the way it gets big and then finally gets to this giant crescendo where the people like Josh Groban and Celine Dion and, and Nathan Pachanko, like all these guys, can sing it operatic style. It moves you and makes you, you can't not listen to the song and be moved. You just can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And very much like you said, uh, I do agree that there's probably more versions of this song in my composite Christmas list <laughs> than any other Christmas song. Maybe, maybe Silent Night is up there, okay. but I would say Oh, Ho- I probably have ten versions of Oh Holy Night, and there's probably one on every playlist. <laughs> I, I I bet I've got seven versions, and I certainly <laughs> don't have nearly as many playlists as you. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you're doing good. <laughs> All right. Well, then, uh, Neil, bring us home. What is the final song for A Very Daily Christmas, Volume 1? All right. Well, let's have some fun with this one. This (laughs) one was one of the, probably one of the hardest internet searches I've ever had to do. And even in 2018, I only recently was finally able to discover this song and find out who wrote it and where it came from. It's 1989's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the theme song, Christmas Vacation by Mavis Staples. It's that time, Christmas time is here, everybody knows there's not a better time of year, here's that sleigh, Santa's on his way, he'll kill parade for Christmas vacation, got a ton of stuff to celebrate. First of all, this is a perfect way to end our show today because mm-hmm. this song is just fun. It's just <laughs> fun. It brings, I mean, the, the placement of the song in the movie, and ironically, the song was actually written specifically for the movie. Yeah. This, wasn't, this didn't exist before 1989. Um, and it was written by a husband and wife team. I don't recall their names off the top of my head, but uh, they wrote it, submitted it to John Hughes. He loved it and said, yeah, okay, let's get this movie. This is going to be the theme song of the movie. And they got Mavis Staples, of, formerly of the Staples Singers. She's an R&B artist. And she did this version. And this song was fantastic. And it came with the only part of the movie that was animated, which was just who knows why. <laughs> the opening credits were a cartoon. But it was perfect placement. It's a fun song. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a 60s era Supreme's Diana Ross kind of thing. Um, but it was great. But part of the appeal of this was not only was it attached to like what is arguably one of the greatest Christmas movies, classics ever. Um, and I say arguably because it's got its detractors too. But 
it, there's something, the, the song, the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation never released a soundtrack. There is no soundtrack ever released by the studio or by John Hughes, um, who didn't direct it, by the way. But so this song was difficult to find. And I, I don't even recall off the top of my head. I remember maybe looking through the credits at the end, trying to find out. And I don't know, you might know better than I do, but I don't even know if it was listed. And I remember for, for the longest time, trying to find out what the heck is the song from Christmas Vacation. And you couldn't really Google search it unless you knew the name because there was no soundtrack. And so just by blind luck one day, I finally entered just Christmas Vacation and a list of the song came up on Wikipedia. And now it's listed. Finally, it's out there. But this version doesn't exist anywhere. You cannot get Mavis Staples' version of this song. And I don't know why. So then it became this now it became like a mission. It was like, you know, it was like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow kind of thing <laughs> where I had to track it down. So I've got, I found a couple of versions of it because recently it's kind of been remade only recently now. Like this version came out in 89 and was just untouchable for 20 years. Now it's finally around. And um, I think Disney Channel did a Christmas compilation recently. And one of the people from high school musical did, did a version of it. And then there's somebody you know, like, it, you can find alternate versions of it now. But long story short, this particular version is like the quintessential, untouchable, unattainable Christmas song. And so it kind of elevates it for me. And it had to make this list just because of the sheer, the sheer, you know, you, you put it, it's the Ruby Slippers of Oz. You know, it's, it's like, it's, that's what it is. It's just, you can't get it. You can't find it. But every time it comes on, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> Or it's that one toy that everybody wants that you get to the toy store and it's sold out or something you have to keep searching every store for. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, absolutely. I, I bet I, it was probably when it finally started making the rounds. I bet it was probably because the technology came for like it was easier for people. They could just play the movie and rip the audio and just like trim the song. And it probably started floating around as a bootleg for a while. Um, well, but, that makes sense. Because but that would that, that still would have been rather the, recent. The intro, yeah, it is very recent, and you're absolutely right. The only way to hear Mavis Staples sing it is because on YouTube you can find a ripped version of the opening credits to the movie. Right. So that whole sequence is there with the cartoon, and that's the only way to actually hear this version of the song. So you're absolutely right. But again, that's that's only recently. Yeah. <laughs> It is. Uh, it's a great song. Like, and I remember, like, we we had that that movie, and that's a fixture that we watch every year at Christmas time. I remember sometimes just watching the intro, like the the prologue, like during the credits, that just animated sequence. It was so funny, and yeah, I I always loved that song too. And I do remember once I started trying to collect that, I was like, why isn't this song available? Why don't we have this song, Neil? Why don't you have this Christmas song that, that we could play? I, I, like, and, I know for a fact that you've had that conversation with me years years and years and years ago, and I remember feeling like I was letting you down. Yeah. I was like, I don't know! <laughs> um, for for listeners, as a as a little preview for what might be coming in like later versions of the show, um, we we have a, a nice family kinship with uh, National Lampoon's <laughs> Christmas Vacation uh, because several ridiculous, hilarious comedic events and, and situations and injuries that take place in that movie have very real mirrored events to our family and things that happen yep. to people we know. Like we're like, yeah, that that happened. He opened the ladder yep. and it slammed him in the forehead and knocked him off. <laughs> yep, 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 so, ab- absolutely. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's that that movie. Yeah, this is that's a subject for another day. But it's I think I don't find it surprising 
yeah. that you and I both have a song from the soundtrack of that movie. If there was a soundtrack, we both have a song from that movie. Because in addition to this whole podcast being about music and how it influenced us and, and what uh, our context to each song, that particular movie, and Christmas movies in general, but that particular one, not only is one of the most quotable, hysterically mm-hmm. quotable Christmas movies ever, but I feel like there's so many scenes and characters right. that we recognize as part of our lives. Right. That is so. Uh, yeah, and it's definitely it's an upbeat. It's a fun song, so I think it is uh, a nice capper for a very daily Christmas volume one. <laughs> uh, a nice way to go out. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thank you very much, and listeners. We really hope that you have enjoyed listening to this special episode of Fire and Water Presents. Uh, Neil and I are going to try and make this an annual fixture, like I said, um, talking about different Christmas songs. And I, I think we're going to try and shake it up so we might do different themes. Like One year it might do like all big band Christmas songs or, or swing. One year like standards from 50s or 60s. One year all new songs you know, since the year 2000 or something like that. Um, if you guys listening, if you have any requests or any ideas... I can't guarantee that we'll necessarily honor them or play them, but uh, definitely <laughs> consider them uh, if they, you know, kind of line up with uh, what we're thinking. Yep, um, yep. Or if there's a playlist I'm missing, let me know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, can you not have a very polka Christmas special? <laughs> How can well, you live yourself? Well, we're from Chicago, <laughs> so there's no reason not to. <laughs> Uh, all right, before we go, uh, Neil, where else can our listeners hear you or find out more about you and your music? Well, in keeping apropos of the theme that we did today, I'd like to, you know, I'll just remind everybody that uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote and recorded my own original Christmas song and made a video of it. And Ryan, you and your family do make an appearance of it, which was very important for me when I made the video. So on my YouTube page, which you can go to at www.youtube.doritotooth.com. Don't ask why. Another <laughs> whole other subject. But Doritotooth at youtube.com. Uh, you can find my original song, Beneath Our Christmas Tree. And I hope you check it out. It's got video clips from uh, all the classics and things that influenced us, as well as uh, hopefully a kind of timeless feel. It was shot on location in DeKalb, Illinois. And so check it out. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah, it's a good little uh, postscript uh, uh, sort of a tie into uh, this special and everything that we've been talking about. Uh, so, listeners, as always, you can follow the Fire and Water Network on Facebook and Twitter. Leave us a comment on one of those social media posts or on the website, which is at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Tell us what you thought of our discussion and tell us your own stories and what are some of your favorite Christmas songs because you might, you know, say one that we haven't heard of or one that we hadn't really considered and kind of remind us there's still time by the time you hear this episode to, uh, to check out some of these songs or listen to something new. Um, and as always, thank you very much. Um, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, and as the motto for the Fire and Water Network is find your joy, I will end with find your joy to the world. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, mic drop. Christmas and New Year's will find you at home. There'll be no more sorrow.